Well, hi everyone. It's Obi Abuchi here with the Leading From Your Core podcast and vodcast. This show is dedicated to helping leaders all around the world discover leadership wisdom, stories, and insights that will enable you to tap into the power of leading from the inside out. And I'm delighted to welcome on the show all the way from Shanghai, China, uh, Jamie Dixon. Uh, Jamie is a coach, a trainer, an author who's worked with ambitious leaders in over 160 multinationals, uh, companies all over the world over the last 10 years. And he coaches and trains in both English and Mandarin. Uh, Jamie's the author of the books, Overcome and Get It Done, uh, Shaping Paths, and the soon to be released book, The Story Habit, which we'll be talking about uh, today. And during his free time, he enjoys spending it with his family, reading, meditation, calisthenics, and yoga. Uh, Jamie, it is a delight to have you on the show today. Thank you very much for having me. It's a delight to be here as well. Uh, brilliant, brilliant. So, Jamie, it is uh, just you've clearly had an incredible time in China. We were talking about it just before uh, the show. And personally, I'm a, a sucker for books, and so are you. Um, <laughs> but not only reading them, uh, writing them as well. And I know a lot of the effort and uh, passion that goes into writing books. Uh, I'm really curious. It'd be great to just dive in with mm. uh, to our conversation today. Just why storytelling and mm. what got you into writing in the first place? So what's your own story about writing and then why storytelling is a mm. topic? So uh, maybe I'll start with the the second question that lead into how I got to, to storytelling. So I, I started writing my first book probably back in 2013. Uh, and the reason I started writing that book was because I, I do a lot of training, leadership development training here in China. Uh, and I've worked with a lot of international training companies who design their training in Europe or the US. And then I deliver it here in China. And I discovered that it, it just doesn't work because the Chinese, you know, Chinese people and Chinese culture, their way of thinking is very, very different. Um, in the West, our way of thinking tends to be a lot more conceptual. We love playing intellectual gymnastics with concepts and having high level debates. But in China, their way of thinking is a lot more contextual. They're a lot more practical in their thinking and think about real things and not so much about concepts. And so when we're talking about all these concepts and latest leadership models and how might you use that, it, it just doesn't work with them. They just want to know, I have a problem. How do I solve it? And their biggest request of training is that it is practical. So that set me off on a journey on um, you know, researching how can I make my, my training more practical? Um, and six years later, uh, resulted in my first book, Shaping Paths, How to Design and Deliver Practical Training. And that unlocked a lot of interests for me. Um, on the one hand, it's about making sure every single one of my training solutions is practical so that when I get into the training room, uh, especially with Chinese participants, I don't get bombarded with challenges. Um, but another is it unlocked a, a, a real passion for behavior change. 
Uh, and uh, uh, as I was writing that book to really understand how to provide something that is practical, that people will take away and use, I had to go to a lot of different fields, such as product design, uh, user experience design. I learned about BJ Fogg's behavior model, who I'm a massive fan of, and reflected on how to apply that. And my, you know, my next book, uh, it, you know, from the outset, the three books I've written, it seems they're not very interconnected. The first one is about training design. My, my next book uh, called Overcome and Get It Done uh, was actually just a little challenge for myself. Uh, it took me six years to write my first book. And I wondered, can I write a book in 24 hours? And Overcome and Get It Done was a book I wrote, edited and published in just 24 hours. So wow. a lot thinner than my, my <laughs> first book. But it's all about, you know, just overcoming the barriers in your way and getting things done. And a lot of the behavior science that I'd learned for writing in my first book applies directly to that. And so to come back to your first question about why storytelling, uh, a number of years ago, my clients over here started reaching out to me and asking me, uh, can I do storytelling training? And at the time, storytelling was not something I was very familiar with. And I was in the process of writing this book about practical training. And I wanted to make sure it would be practical and so focused on solving problems that they face at work. And I was asking them, why do you need to learn storytelling? And they'd say, we have this group of engineers who give really dry monthly reports. So please give them storytelling training. So I, I'd, I'd go off and research storytelling and I'd find the hero's journey. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the hero's journey, for those who don't know about it, is uh, a normal person meets a challenge, overcomes the challenge, becomes a hero. And, and that's the general gist of it. And so it's the template for telling, uh, telling stories. And I was thinking, Surely applying this to your monthly reports is just, it's just ridiculous. It's, it's a complete overkill. <laughs> like making their monthly reports more complicated. So that, that set me off on another journey of, because uh, I, I love, uh, you know, I'm very curious and I love researching things. And I really wanted to know, what do we really mean by storytelling? And, you know, cut a long story short, the answer I came up with, with, with was, it's all about making meaning. And if you work in leadership, uh, you need to make meaning. Uh, you, you need to make sure that the words you speak get across and have an impact on people. And another way of thinking about it is speaking the language of the mind. That, that is essentially what we mean by storytelling. And in the story habit, uh, obviously I talk about how to tell stories, but what I think is far more applicable to leaders is shaping the stories people believe in. Um, and when you are trying to persuade people, you are, you are actually trying to change the stories that they believe in. And if you're gonna be successful, you've got to give them a better story to believe in. Yeah, so that's how I wow. got from, from there to here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And I'm not surprised you shared that in the form of a story because that was really helpful to bring us and you know listeners and viewers on a journey it certainly brought me on a journey and there are a couple of things that struck me one when you were talking about the importance of understanding some of the cultural differences 
Mm. In our world today, we're talking a lot about, especially at a leadership level, inclusive leadership. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really important from an inclusive leadership level is recognition of different perspectives. Mm. So just because I'm you and I may be speaking the same language, English doesn't necessarily mean that our understanding, that the meaning of ideas or, or what we're talking about, we're really on the same level because of some of those deeper stories and perceptions that we have. So I thought that was really powerful, yeah. but I love this idea of just making meaning and, and speaking the language of the mind. And so there are two, I'd love to explore that further, just mm. practically, because you're also about those practical points. Mm. How can leaders solve real problems at work through storytelling? What, what does that actually look like for leaders? Mm. Mm. So to, to give a, a slightly roundabout answer, uh, I'll start with how you know how do you actually tell a story because the reason i think we use the word storytelling uh to describe making meaning and the language of the mind is because you can learn so much and pretty much everything you need to about how the mind works from how a story works and there are three key parts that i talk about in the story habit um of how a story works and the first part is the story must present a character in a situation the audience can relate to. Uh, if I take a, a typical example, um, you know, I have two young kids, so I spend a lot of time watching Disney movies these days. If I go with The Lion King, um, mm-hmm. my favorite Disney movie, uh, it's about Simba, a baby lion. And on the outset, it seems like Simba has nothing to do with us because we're not baby lions. But Actually, it's got so much to do with us because we all used to be children and we all used to have these dreams of the future. And we all used to have parents who tell us what to do and boundaries and what would happen if we crossed those boundaries. So from the very start, we're relating to the story. And when we relate to the story, it, it, triggers, our, you know, it triggers our empathy and that causes, to, causes us to imagine that we are that person in the story and really immerse ourselves in the story. So that relate part is a really fundamental part of stories and it's where the story has to start. And then as we relate to the character, something happens. And a key principle of stories is that a story is always about a change. It's never about I woke up, got on the subway, went to work, came home. It's never about life. As, yeah, it's never about life as normal. It's yeah. always about a change. And so when we relate to the character, we learn the stories they have of their world. And for Simba, uh, his story was he's going to grow up to be king because his dad is king. But then something in the world changes and the story they have is no longer relevant. And you know, spoiler alert, but uh, Simba's, Simba's dad dies. And I, think, I think it's been out for a while now, but <laughs> hey, guys, if, if this is really blowing your mind, um, <laughs> hey, I'm not sure where you've been. <laughs> yeah, you should have watched The Lion King by now. It's a great movie. There's been several versions of it as well. So the, 
the world changes, their stories are no longer relevant, and this creates a challenge for them. And then, uh, so that's the second part of story, the challenge. Something changes and it creates a challenge for them. And then the final part is they have to find a way of overcoming the challenge and resolving it. And, and so I call this part the resolve part. And in The Lion King, Simba's way of resolving it is killing his uncle, which interestingly, it seems a lot of Disney movies revolve around killing people. <laughs> and so so there's, there's three, three parts, relate, challenge, resolve. And you can use this to influence people. Um, if you take these out from stories, you can use it to influence people because when you want to change people's mind, the very first thing you have to do is relate to them. And if I give a, a practical example, a leadership team I was working with here in China, um, they, they worked for a European coffee machine company and they wanted to sell their coffee machines on the local e-commerce platform called Tmall. So they went to the Swiss headquarters and the Swiss headquarters were like, no, we have a website. If people want to buy things, they can go on our website. That's the story that they believe in. And the reality in China is nobody uses websites. So what a lot of us try to do when we try to persuade is we go straight to challenge without relating. We say, no, that's that, no, it doesn't work like that in China. Uh, and if we go straight to challenge without relating, we're probably going to fail. Mm -hmm. And so what we have to do first is relate to, okay, yeah, I understand uh, people in pretty much anywhere else in the world buy from websites. And I understand that gives you more control and that's important for our brand. And as you say that, they should be nodding their heads. And when they're nodding their heads enough, then you are safe to start prodding their stories and challenging their stories. And then once you've challenged their story, you've changed their mind. And then you can move on to the resolve part, which is about taking action and just making that next step a lot clearer. And you know, maybe the next step would be, how about you just do an experiment with selling one coffee machine on the platform and see what happens. And so relate challenge resolve is how you, uh, you know, how you solve practical problems through storytelling at work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, that, that sounds really powerful. And I know you said you don't like the, or didn't really connect with the, the hero's journey in a way, although that very much draws on similar elements of the hero's right. Journey, yeah. right the the who, who is the, the hero what's the challenge they face and how do they overcome but i love the practical element of this and the connection to the mind what's going on it's it's those um sometimes at a neuroscience level it's those mirror neurons that are firing in our minds as we are relating as we are connecting to uh whatever story we're we're hearing and this is where i think especially from a leadership perspective, it'd be, it'd be worth exploring this with you. As leaders, there are some stories we tell ourselves that shape our own minds, right? Um, stories about uh, our position, stories about the uh, influence that, that we have, stories about um, topics that we think shouldn't be discussed or should be discussed. I mean, all sorts of things, stories that we're telling ourselves mm. uh, that could influence the 
impact of the stories and the culture that we're trying to shape. And so what, what, how do we become aware of those stories that we're telling ourselves mm. uh, as leaders um, and work out, hey, is this story really empowering? Is it limiting? And how do I shift it so that I can be more effective at the stories that I'm sharing mm. within my organization? What's your, what are your thoughts on that? So if I give an example of something that's just so typical <clears throat> in, in, in the work that I, I do, I, you'll get like an expat leader, someone from somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the US, mm -hmm. they come over to China and mm -hmm. they come from a more egalitarian culture where, you know, I am your leader, but we're all equals and I'm here to facilitate. And so what do you think about this? And I want to hear your perspective. And they bring these stories to China, where in China, uh, generally speaking, Chinese people believe that the leader, what the leader says is what everyone should do. And you should listen to the leader and you should respect the leader and you should follow rules and not challenge the leader because that's disrespectful. So a very typical scenario for a lot of expat managers who come over here is, what do you guys think? Silence. Because it, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a clash of stories. And it's exactly the same for Chinese who go overseas. Um, maybe they're on an expat assignment in Germany, for example, and mm. you know, they go to the meeting and I'm, I am respectful. So I will listen and I won't challenge anyone and I will agree and follow the rules. And they get into their first meeting with their German colleagues and they find everyone's fighting with each other. And, what? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, maybe from the German perspective, that's not fighting, that's discussion. We're, we're, we're trying to generate better ideas, but oh. it's, it, they're using the Chinese stories to interpret what they're seeing. So a lot of these stories come from, uh, come from our, our family, our education, uh, basically our culture, uh, but also life experiences as well. Mm. And, you know, how do you, so one of your questions just now was, how do you know if the story is serving you or, or hindering you? Yeah. And I think a really practical answer to that is, you know, we need stories anyway. We, we are incapable of navigating our way around life and the universe without stories we need stories because a story is a layer of meaning between the brain and the noise of reality without this story uh, we'd just be a, a, a blob and wouldn't do anything so we need stories and so you know if you're going through life and things are quite predictable everything's working the way you'd expect it to work then your stories are serving you but it's the moment things just stop working and you experience those emotions of, of discomfort or being unsettled, that is a sign that your stories are not serving you. And that there's something, you know, we tend to react by pointing to the, the outside world and saying, there's something wrong here. But no, it, it's something wrong with our story. So if you're that expat manager, and your team are being silent, so simple, so easy to blame them and say, come on, guys, speak up, be brave. Oh, yeah. But it's your problem. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, wow. Yeah, that's uh, such a, a helpful insight just to work out, is this, am I feeling like something's broken here? It's not quite working. Um, mm. Don't look out, look, look inside. And, and you and I, we were talking just before uh, the, we started recording about a word that's coming in that's replacing VUCA. Um, and, and I'll, VUCA for our listeners and viewers who aren't aware is, you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And what in the work that I do with a lot of leaders, I often say, we're far too focused on the VUCA outside. It's, hey, that's not working. That's uncertain. That's complex. That's ambiguous. And we're not always in tune with the VUCA inside, with the uncertainty I'm feeling, with the complexity I'm experiencing, and even the complexity of our stories and our mind and, and what's going on um, internally. And it sounds like this is one of those moments. It's like, well, actually, there's something's not quite working here. I need to do some internal work to become more aware of what's the story here? What's the story I'm telling about my people? What's the story I'm telling about this situation? And how do I begin to reframe uh, that, that story? Um, mm. Is that something you talk about, reframing stories and, and finding new, more helpful stories for mm. a situation in order to move it forward in a more productive way? Yeah, because, you know, as I mentioned, we need stories, but mm -hmm. really important to remember that they are just stories. A, a metaphor is you know, it, it's just a map. It's not the terrain itself. <laughs> yes, and, yes. And, and the terrain has probably changed. Um, <laughs> yes. and, uh, and the world we live in right now, I, I, I don't think anyone who is alive right now has experienced change on the scale that we're experiencing right now, wherever you are in the world. And, and so it's really important to be able to let go of the stories that, that we've got. And one, one habit well, maybe even mindset that has been of, of huge benefit to me living in China has just been to experiment. And I, I've forgotten, you know, I've forgotten a lot of my English, actually. I've forgotten the phrase, but throw something to the wind and just see what happens. And, you know, if I give a really, a really simple example, when I first came to China um, and I, I used my spare time to learn Chinese, I didn't speak any Chinese at that time. And when you learn a foreign language, it can be really scary, actually, because what, what if I say something wrong? Uh, and you have this strange assumption that if you say something wrong, everyone's going to point and laugh at you and you'll be shamed for eternity. Uh, and, and you have to get over that mindset in order to, to, to learn to speak a different language because you are going to make mistakes and it's going to be embarrassing. But it's by going through that that you, you learn new things. And one really powerful example was when uh, I was feeling sick one day uh, in my first few months in China. I was trying to explain to my friend that uh, I have a sickness and I didn't realize that the way I phrased it, I, I said, what you being? The way I phrased it uh, was actually, uh, I am insane. And <laughs> they laughed at me <laughs> nonstop. <laughs> and 
it's one of those mistakes that is inevitable when you learn a language. And it, it's, I think this example is a metaphor for anything in life. When you learn something new, you have to make mistakes and you have to go through phases of being uncomfortable and being embarrassed and being ashamed. But it's only by going into that zone that you start to open new doors and discover things you'd never discover before. And so if we hold ourselves to our stories, we never go out into that unsafe zone and open those new doors. So I think it's really important to experiment with things. And I, I say to myself, you know, I guess this is a story I'm telling myself. I'm just experimenting my way through life and always willing to try new things and see what happens. And, uh, you know, on my business, for example, I've spent a lot of money on things that haven't worked. Oh, well, um, <laughs> I've, I've learned my lessons. <laughs> I won't yeah, do those yeah. again. But by doing that, I learned new ideas and new perspectives and new things to go and explore, which have helped me a lot. So I think um, the way of stopping stories from hindering us is just to experiment and be open to the new stories that that the world can give to us. Mm. Yeah, wow. I love that. I it, it strikes me just how much courage is needed to shape new stories and to engage with the new stories because it is safe it is safe to stay with what we know and to stay with what's comfortable and also not just stay with what we know stay with what's comfortable but stay with what has worked for us you know this has worked in the past and so it's new new territory to um as i've been building my business it's been incredible and insane just how uncomfortable um, so many of the doors have been. Um, doing mm. things that are new, wearing new hats, uh, trying out new challenges, testing new um, uh, opportunities. And, and yet after a while, it, it does become, uh, it does become comfortable, but, but I love that idea of just get over it and an experiment and try and I think going back to what you said about stories and the story not necessarily being the, the terrain it's just a it's just a map you know the, in NLP I'm as an NLP practitioner we'd often say you know that the map is not the territory it's just a useful way of, of moving forward and and I just think actually is this a helpful way of moving forward and learning and growing. I was mm. talking about, for example, um, imposter syndrome. That's something we've been talking about recently in just some of the programs that we run and how that's often about a story that I'm telling myself, the, the story that I'm inadequate. Um, I, I don't really have what it takes. I'm a fraud here. And yet by applying a different map, a map that says, actually, I'm simply making progress. Yes, I'm falling down, but I'm making progress. It helps me to let go of that narrative that I'm a fraud, and rather I apply a new map that says I'm discovering and I'm trying things out and, and I'm an adventurer, <laughs> mm. uh, which helps mm. to set me on a more productive um, path and also just a more resourceful mindset um, as I think about that situation. 
And I, I think in business, one really um, bad story a lot of us tell ourselves, and I, I'm so guilty of it myself, is that I'd never buy this. I'd never pay money for this. Uh, and, 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 and we forget that, well, I'm not the customer, am I? <laughs> it's the customer who is deciding to pay money for this. And when you think, oh, I, I don't want to charge them for this, or I don't want to charge them too much for this, because I, I wouldn't pay that much for it, it's actually disrespectful, because you are disrespecting the customer's standards. If the customer is happy to pay for that, then that's up to the customer, isn't it? It's not up to, it's not up to us. So I, I find a, a story that a lot of entrepreneurs get themselves into when they're first starting in business is they make it all about themselves. And what are my standards? What do I want this business to be about? And they forget that, you know, you don't have a business if you don't have a customer paying you. Uh, so, you know, learn the customer's stories. Uh, and I think it comes back to the relate part of the story habit. Oh. Uh, it, it, uh, that, I think, is the most fundamental storytelling skill. And it's probably, in my opinion, the most useful skill for leaders because so many leaders don't relate. Uh, you, you can use another word, empathy. Uh, it's empathy is a skill that solves so many problems and prevents mm. so many problems, but we don't use it when we most need to use it. So getting out of our own heads mm -hmm. and trying to learn the stories of others, I think is a really important skill. Yeah, that's that. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. So, so essential, especially as leaders, especially as leaders, you are whether you're regardless of the culture you're in um, as a leader, you cannot do things without people following you, without people being behind you. Some people say, if you want to know if you're a leader, look look behind you and see if anyone's following, right? And and mm. um, and how are you connecting with those people so that they uh, are not just doing what needs to be done, but are able to go the extra mile. And I love that idea of just putting, making sure you're relating and empathizing. It's so basic, it's so simple, and yet it's not really about you, it's about them, whether that's customers, whether that's your, your people. Um, mm. that's really powerful what are you hoping just as everyone puts a, a book out there and hoping that it has an impact what change are you hoping your book would bring about and as leaders take on this skill mm. I hope that people can well I hope that people can learn from this book to be more reasonable with communication. I find in business, there's a lot of unreasonable uh, practices in business. And uh, for example, right now, what a lot of businesses are experiencing is the great resignation, because so many people have realized this is unreasonable. I, I, I don't want to give up my time uh, and just for a bit of money and to work in some place that doesn't really engage me in any way whatsoever. And I think when you, when you think in terms of relate, challenge, resolve, 
you come back to this relate. Okay, I want to employ you, but you know, what do you need? What mm. what would make this worthwhile for you? As opposed to just going straight to challenging and saying, okay, here's the job offer. We pay you more than any other company out there. Yeah, you have to work 80 hours a week, uh, but you get really good prospects in the future. I, I think if you can start with that relate part, uh, thing, well, business, things, people just become so much more reasonable. And that's something I, I really hope. Uh, that's a change I really hope the story habit can inspire. And I think it's a change that so many people and leaders right now in particular are realizing is desperately needed in the world. I mean, if I, if I give a, an example in China right now, over the last several decades, uh, they've gone through tremendous economic growth. And someone of my, my wife's age, uh, you know, same age as me, born in the 80s, uh, she has only seen progress at a rate I don't think any other humans in history have, have experienced. Uh, and now, all of a sudden, you have this young generation who have just graduated from university in the last few years, and they're looking at property prices, and it's like a million pounds for a, a tiny property. And wow. The jobs they're being offered will pay £600 a month. And they're like, why bother? There's just no hope for me. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people in China are starting to realize that, wow, uh, <laughs> we need to shift our value system a bit because there's now this, uh, this revolution going on called the, the Tangping Revolution, which stands for lying flat of an entire generation of youth who are just like, I give up. Um, there's nothing in it for me. So I'm just going to lie flat. Um, and I don't think that's going to be limited to China. I'm sure it's happening in, in so many pla other places in the world. And mm -hmm. I, I know there's huge wealth inequality also in the UK, in the US in particular. Uh, and so relating to where people are at rather than pushing them into unreasonable mm. places. That is something I, I hope can inspire more people to, to think in, in that way. Mm. That, that, that and you, you bring a, uh, an example of a nation that could be changed by leaders engaging with this. So my, I'm uh, well, British born Nigerian and in, lived in Nigeria for 10 years um, and have paid, I'm not that political, I don't have, tend to have political conversations on this, but we're seeing something happen in Nigeria at the moment as they gear up for the 2023 elections. And one of the things that I'm finding really powerful is observing one of the, the runners for the presidential election is doing exactly what you're talking about, is relating mm. to the people is talking about some of the, the challenges um, and the opportunity to resolve that. But, but what a lot of people, a lot of the politicians have done in the past is focus on, hey, here's a challenge we're going to resolve. Here's a challenge we're going to resolve. Mm. But what they've never been able to do is relate to where people are and say, hey, I see what you see. 
Mm. I see Mm. what you see in terms of what's going on in our country. And I'm concerned about it too. I'm concerned about it for my children. I'm concerned about it for our country. I'm concerned about it for your future. And so, and it is amazing how much support he is garnering from Mm. people both in, in the South of Nigeria and in the North. And so, and beyond that, I mean, because somebody can look at it and just say, oh, well, that's a skill that you could take on. People can see through the inauthenticity. And what's really clear is he is being authentic because he's got stories that he can mm. share of how he has related and say, guys, this is some of what I have done. I am relating to mm. you. I am not interested in using the money just for my own benefit. I'm using it for the for the benefit of uh, growing our nation. So, it, um, it, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's two things I'd, I'd like to highlight there. One, so one thing I learned about trust as I was writing this book is it's ultimately about predictability. If I can predict your behavior, I feel I can trust you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, Ideally, I can predict that you're going to help me and not hurt me. That that's really what trust is about. Sure. And, and so as leaders, when we want to build trust, we need to make our behavior as predictable as possible. One way is by consistency, consistently behaving according to the same set of values in different contexts. And another is just sharing our intentions and saying, you know, why is this important to me? Um, and that's where the stories like you were describing come in really handy. I apologize if there's a bit of background noise. There's <laughs> construction <laughs> works outside. But if you have a story about why that exact same thing is important to you uh, and what you are really hoping to achieve and why, then that builds so much trust because it makes your behavior so much easier to predict. And there's, there's one little caveat that I'd add about relating is that snake oil salesmen are amazing at relating mm. and they just relate <laughs> they, they, <laughs> like it's it, it's what um psychics do for example or hypnotists if if you really really believe um that a psychic can read your mind you're like oh yeah i, I believe in this stuff i you'll fall for every trick that they do because they relate to your beliefs and so when someone does a great job of relating to you, I think it's really important to be a little bit, well, retain a bit of skepticism um, because the, great le- the greatest leaders, they, they do relate, but they also challenge you. And mm. I, I get the feeling from what you're describing of that leader in Nigeria, they're also challenging the people. They they're are, not yeah. just... They're not just relating to the people, they're challenging the people and they're letting the people know that, you know, if we do this, life is going to be so much better for everyone. And yeah. by the way, here's how we do it. Yeah. And that's a really important thing to look out for in, in a good leader, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Hey, Jamie, it's been so powerful. Uh, I, I go back to something you said at the beginning, you're really into giving some practical tools that make a difference and it sounds like your upcoming book the story habit is going to be an amazing one for leaders and particularly not only will it give them a skill that they can apply but it's going to give them a way of just 
growing themselves, growing their ability to take on new perspectives, understand how they can reframe some of the stories that are not helpful for them and that enable them to show up more uh, effectively. Um, so when the book is out, where can people get it from? Um, good, good question. Um, <laughs> uh, a, a practical practical issue for, for authors. I finished writing the book. Now I'm on to the marketing plan. And Jesus, yeah, the marketing plan is a lot more work than I was expecting. <laughs> but uh, it's probably going to be late July, sometime in August. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure it will definitely be available on Amazon at least. <laughs> oh, yeah. So just look brilliant. for the story habit. Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. And yep, definitely encourage our, our viewers and listeners to, to get it, dive into this. Sounds like some incredibly powerful tools. So Jamie, it's been great chatting with you, hearing your story, hearing you unpack the power of story. Uh, thank you so much to all our viewers and listeners, I hope you enjoyed that. Hope you enjoyed hearing the stories and also just figuring out how you can tap into uh, delivering more effective, more powerful and more meaningful stories for uh, the people that you inspire, that you influence and that you lead. And remember that if you want to be a courageous and resilient leader, if you want to live life on purpose and with purpose, then it starts from the inside out. Uh, have a great day and see you all on the next show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm.